listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Future Theater Live. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hello, everybody. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right now from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Silbury Village on a nice, warm Memorial Day night. We are broadcasting on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio with our producer, the great Angel Espino. Say hello, everybody, Angel. Hello, everybody, Angel. Wait. And our guest tonight is William Hall. William J. Hall. William J. Hall, who who really wrote an intriguing book. I have to say, this is one of the few books, and we'll talk to Bill Hall about this. This is one of the few books about a haunted house where multiple witnesses have corroborated the stories of other people. So even though people have called the, the, the story of the haunted house a hoax and other people have said it's real, what Bill Hall did was investigated this house. And this was a story from a neighborhood where he lives uh, that he was working on uh, since uh, he was 10 years old. Right. That's right. fascinating. That's like, um, I well, forget. Well, compare st- and contrast, Amityville. Yeah, Amityville and this house. And then... Um, I keep thinking of uh, other people who've investigated these phenomenal, phenomenal events, whether they're ghosts, hauntings, UFOs, and things like that. It captures their imagination, and they stick with it for all these years, and eventually they wind up with a book. Right. Well, before we get into the book, and the book is going to uh, get into us, once we start talking, it's like, Sticky glue, you really are in that book. I'm only in the beginning, but I don't want to miss a word of it. And so, you know, we're going to learn a lot more. Uh, but I think the book will be delicious reading. Um, whoops, I have to check some things. You guys talk. I wasn't supposed to say that, but I don't think I'm coming through clearly. Right? No, you're coming in clearly, but it sounds like your uh, Skype is not connected to your headset properly. Like you're coming in through another microphone. Yeah, and, and I should – I did you really should, You really got to get better at just following instructions and continue to talk and – just clicking on things and yeah, well, instead of breaking in, you know. Yeah. You know, well, that's but anyway, that gives me a good chance to talk. What was the last thing you said? What What was the last part of the insult? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just really, Bill. Just, you get what I'm saying, right, Bill? You understand what I'm. What, what I'm was the last part you said? Since you're sticking a knife in my rib <laughs> of of unhappiness. Just finish uh, up the insults. So, anyway, so here's the thing. I have what we would call news. Um. <laughs> Wait, okay, so my sound is not right. So while I'm talking, I'm looking up the stupid preferences of stupid Skype. So, 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 you so talk what for you, two seconds. No, no, no. And I'll so, what were back. you going to say while you're fidgeting with Skype? What were you going to say? Yeah, yeah well, we can still hear you. It just sounds like you're coming in, in and like you're in the bathroom. Well, here right. I am. Whenever you open up the uh, audio video thing on the preferences of the Mac version of Skype, yeah, the camera sense. comes on automatically. And you're yeah, like, that's, that's, where you're, that's where your audio is coming in from, from your camera. Yeah, right. So, just click on. It's coming in from somewhere click, else. No, just click on the camera so it shuts off, and then your headphone. It all says it all says Microsoft Live Chat. It, it's clicked on that. Okay, uh, mute your mic and then keep talking. Mute my mic. 
Okay. Wait. Talk. See, it was muted, right? Now That's you're weird. good. Yeah, your audio no, sounds see, like no, no, no. No, you're perfect now. Leave it alone. You're perfect. Oh, thank the you. I always want to be perfect. Like don't an touch L, it. Like an L don't, die. I don't touch you it again. Perfect. You were perfect from the time you were in grade school. Now you're even more perfect. Let me tell you the news. Tell me the news. <laughs> Live tonight at around 8.30 Eastern Time, maybe 9.30, around 8.30 Eastern Time, Art right. Bell announced. Well, actually, he's been sort of sm- small announcing, but then he, he definitely announced that he is going to have a co-host part what? of the time. Yeah. So you crazy. guys don't read. Oh, hi, Keith. Keith. You know, you guys should be reading Bell Gap. Anybody listening to the show had better get. I, see, I bet you right now, if you go and sign up for Bell Gap, they'll let you in because either it was a slow time when I tried to sign up, but it took me like three months. So I'd say art's coming back in 50 some days. There is a countdown calendar at Coast to Coast. Ah, wrong. Artbell.com. Yeah. See? Good job. Used to be. Sorry. Good. Yeah. It's been years be, since them days. Nancy. Well, he invented Coast to Coast, and so yeah, well. it, his, it's stuck with him. And but no, and Keith, Keith did the original websites. Made that and we'll Keith watch. has a countdown clock. Okay. Now, what's this about him having a, a co-host? He, he hasn't yeah. posted that in his Yeah. And guess what, guys? Now. Guess what, guys? It's a girl. It's a girl. Oh. So he He's doesn't want to have himself. He doesn't want to have himself uh, another other guy. He wants to have himself another girl. He other wants girl. a girl. See that? I feel so thrilled by this because finally uh, the majority of listeners who are really women, they have to be, the majority of people on the earth are women. Uh, the majority is now going that to get That can't be right. Huh? It is, Angel. <laughs> I don't know it is. Right. Go look it up right now on Google. Seriously, the women in, in the United States make up the majority, um, you know, so forth and so on. So, so anyway – now, here's the scoop on the new co-host. The new co-host is a regular uh, bell gabber. Okay, her first claim to fame is that she's a person who has been able to survive the bell gab gauntlet. See, after you get on bell gab, you have to try to stay on bell gab. You know, you make a little post, hi there, and or you try to say something funny and, you know, well, you, you, could, get, you could get schlonged, I guess, is the only word. Anyway, this woman, um, her name on the this, – this is so stupid. I'm talking about a real person and a real gig, a real job, and I'm going to call her redacted with parens around redacted because that's what she calls herself uh-huh. on the Delgab forum, redacted. And, the sh- and people call her Red, R-E-D. And she has a beautiful avatar of Mrs. Peel, the original Mrs. Peel. Not maybe it, I don't think it's Uma Thurman, but it might be. I no, think it's, it's Diana Rigg. I think it's Diana Rigg. But anyway, if it's the original Mrs. Peel, I think it's, it's the original Rigg. because the other guy's cut out, so I can't really. I, I didn't look too closely, but anyway, redact. The other guy always gets cut out. Anyway, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's happening. It's happening. We're moving in. So anyway, so here's the thing. So, um, so Art said this to the to the forum, and only one or so people said, "But you're the master. You don't need a co-host." And he said. He replied tonight, within hours. He said, well, for the serious stuff, maybe not, because, you know, women. Um, but for the light stuff or the call-ins, yeah. See? See that? See that? Our girl does not need a co-host. But it'll be <gasps> But he's getting one, and I'm excited. And, and I'm going to go ahead and do the after show. I am totally doing it. 
I'm doing it on PSN. Thank you, Angel. You're so sweet. <laughs> yeah, but what? But it's not on. You're Dark the Matter, least. So. You are the least supportive mm-hmm. producer mm-hmm. network owner I have ever. Because it makes no sense. Nancy. See, it, it makes no sense. You're doing ah. it off of Dark Matter, like. And the beauty part is this. The beauty part is this. Like we don't carry art on PSN. You know, unfortunately, I'd love to, but we don't. No, no, no. What? That's not the point. You're going to be carrying unless you chicken out. If you chicken out, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to do it myself. I'm telling you, I can do this. If you can do this, I can do this. So I want to do it on PSN because I want to have some glory, you see. I want to be on an established network. No offense to me. <sighs> so about the guest tonight, Bill, uh, how's he doing? No, no, let's get back to Redacted <laughs> and the co No, 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 no. Oh, oh well, that too. Okay, so um, I just simply want to say that um, I think I was done, actually. Yes, you were. I mean, there's no more to say. You are doing the show. Art Bill is having a woman as a co-host whose name is redacted. But here's the rest of it. Here's what I wanted to say. I believe, I believe she's from Philly uh, or certainly New York. She's definitely, when I first heard her voice, I, I think I heard a New York accent or a Philly accent. I can't remember. I'll and, be the judge of that. And the beauty part of it is Art likes her voice, you see. And so it's not like a real um, – I mean, there's great radio voices out there. Don't get me wrong. But I think Redacted is, no, dare I say, a real person, not a radio host. She might have her own show. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's an astrologer. And on Bella Haven, my co-host is going to be Lasha. Who's an astrologer? See that coincidence? I think not. And and Angel, thank you for your support. In two, <laughs> <Yeah>. in two, <laughs> I'm going I back really couldn't you. have done it without you. <laughs> so, okay. So I here here's my here's a topic real quick, real quick for tonight. This is about um, another real a really big thing that you helped me with, Angel was. Um, mm-hmm. Convince, no, seriously, convincing me to, um, to consider uh, putting stuff up on the Amazon store. We're selling books. We have a little store right now, LU City and Cafe, I must say. I should put the link on my pages. You really should. I really should. Yes, you should, yeah. go to look for books. But here's what I'm doing. I am now committed to uh, uh, putting up every book in our house because we're selling Ouch. perhaps one a day. Yeah, and there's about I – bet, I bet there's – Five, six thousand books, maybe more. Probably more, yeah. Yeah. So I'm putting them all up, and, and I have a, uh, you know, kind of a whole system. And so now here's the interesting thing that I got, an insight about the UFO field and why last week's show was such a train wreck. I can now tell, tell, I can tell people why, because I figured it out. When you're putting up books on the Amazon bookstore, and I've been doing this now for a couple months, and it's not that hard, but it's, you know, prickly you have to do it just right so what you try to do when you put your book up is match the lowest price if because these are brand new books usually so you match Uh the lowest price right and in some cases this is the ufo field we're talking about i have i'm just doing the ufo books first because i have some amazing books and multiple copies of them many times um when I put up some of the books, the lowest price in the case today, one of them was $404, the lowest price. There were other books higher than that. So I just hit the button. I, I, I said to myself, this is a real skinny little book. I said to myself, this is crazy. Which this book is, is it? 
uh, it's really not a good, no offense to the poor $400 people. It's like a religious, kind of one of those religious, you know, one of the weird religious offshoots from UFO, Ma- okay. not UFO magazine, nope. but UFO the field. You get these little religious things, you know, I've channeled uh, the baby Jesus and here we are. And so, you know what? I put it up for that price rather than putting a fair price on it. It's not worth it. And I said to myself, you know what? If somebody is going to spend their money on that, mm, I'm not going to be the one to tell them they're wrong. I'll just take their money. Thank you. Um, and I was, and I, and I got a Eureka. What if all the, cause I figured, you know, this is so stupid. Anybody could see. And if you can't see that it's stupid, then eh, you part with your money. You're not that smart. Um, and I'm How to that, unsell a product. Angel, you should try this at the car dealership. Hey, yeah, for real. why would you buy this car? What are you, it stupid? It sucks. Yeah, what are you, yeah, retarded? Crazy. What are you, no, seriously. are you kidding? This car will spend more mental? time in the shop than on the road. A Nobody Corvette? Listen. Corvette sucks. How would you buy that? Nobody listening Loser. to this show would buy that particular book. Guaranteed. Anyway. How would you know, Nancy? See, that's that's a bad assumption, Nancy, because just because you don't like something or you think it's bad, doesn't mean somebody else is not going to like it or think it's good. Yeah, but that's not my point. Good. That's, that's that is your not point. my point. That's not my point. How could you tell me what your point is? That, to- not, that totally is your point. That totally is your point. <laughs> okay, Bill's going to rescue me. He promised he would rescue me. We talked about this beforehand. If that Angel totally cuts point. me off before Here's the I can make Angel. my point. Angel, so... So, so on my way to where I go in the mornings, I've got to, you know, I go to the, I have early doctor's appointments from time to time. I pass this magnificent red 1999-911 Cabriolet, beautiful Cabriolet, 38,000 miles on it, and mm-hmm. the guy wants nice. 29,000. Okay. That's a bit expensive. That's what I thought. That's a bit, uh, that, that's that, a bit that, much. That's, that's, that's a bit much. I was thinking... Yeah. About yeah, 10 G's, maybe 15 of that. I was, that, was, that was in my mind, 15 to 20, depending yep. upon, yeah, that's what I was I wouldn't even go. Good. I wouldn't even go as high as 20. I'd go 10 really? to 15. Yeah. Now, would you like to hear my point? Sure. What's your point? Oh, yeah, my, Nancy, go ahead. My point has to do with the UFO field and why last week's show was such a train wreck. But what does any of that have to do with UFO field or well, last week's wait, show with James Well, if you Swagger? wait like a patient young man... And, you know, if you'd gone to Catholic, did you go to Catholic school? No, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. And then I became Oh, yeah, yeah, your manners when it comes to <laughs> grown-ups. Jeez, if you'd gone to Catholic school, they would have beaten you bloody. I went to Catholic school, and then that converted me to Jehovah's Witness. Cause they don't yeah, like oh, really? Yeah, they didn't like me too much. And then my aunt was like, we'll take him to our church. And they, be, they made him Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and then two months later, got kicked out of there. And I was like, you know what? I don't belong in a church. Yeah, you're making my point for me. And, that, and that's, <laughs> here, here comes the point. Here comes the point. I've been agnostic since I was 12. I'll leave it at that. I periodically go through uh, sort of like periods of great enthusiasm for this UFO topic and periods of really low despair. Like, oh, these, oh, this is so stupid. And last week I had, I think I'd hit the trough of despond. Never in a million years will you understand that, so we'll move on. But if you were a grown-up who wasn't, you know, anyway, I, so we'll move I'm on. I'm 37. I'm pretty grown-up. The trough of despond. Um, okay, <laughs> so, so after you hit the trough, what then happened? Yes, please, um, Because the topic last week we talked about a bit before uh, James came on. 
And also, James is a fun, fun, fun guy. So it's hard for me to say. And, hold on. And let me just add, Nancy, by the way, uh, James last week uh, had technical issues and was knocked yeah. off the call. So for anybody out there who was, you know, spreading rumors that, oh, he got mad and this and that. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't mad. He, like he that. Sent and you know what? Email. But meanwhile, nice both – but yeah, but, but Angel and I tripped over ourselves apologizing to him because none of us knew who made him mad. So we all apologized like crazy. But he wasn't and mad. He wasn't mad. <laughs> he wasn't mad. He was like, why are you apologizing? I have no idea. Between the Roswell slides and uh, clowning around with James and the, and the Twitter deck and the, PS, uh, the, the, the PSN chat people and the new Swamp chat people, they were all kind of begging me on to interrupt and stuff. And so, you know what? I, I, I just... I was at my lowest ebb of putting up with UFO stuff. And okay. I say to, I realized this. Um, do you think the people that, that go to these conferences and give all the speeches, do you think they really think to themselves, if these people are stupid enough to believe what I'm saying, that I don't have any qualms taking their money? Yes. I'm beginning to yes. think that's what they think. That's because a guess. I mean, <laughs> being one of the speakers at these UFO conferences, I can tell you from personal experience, that there's a whole range of people. There, there are, are people, people that won't talk to you, and you look when you get hooked on something, you really believe it. You're not. Well, you're not. What? Right, but I mean, what I'm saying is, there are people at these conferences who are simply show people. They really are. Right. I mean, that's what they are, and you could spot them a mile away. They're not serious. The research they do is really all fake. And um, it is made to sell product. I don't do that. I mean, right? And and that I mean, brings I get No, I get criticized yeah. because I really do peer peer reviewed publishing because I don't want to. I don't want to do. I don't want to have to hawk like um, somebody with a sample case right. uh, wears at a UFO convention. And that's one reason why you don't want to be a pitchman for somebody. No, Paul, I will be a pitchman for movies and stuff like that was my nickname in Hollywood, pitchman, because I would go and pitch movies. But um, that's why you don't see me a contact at the desert. Paul Andrews calls me and emails me and cajoles me. Oh, well, you'll make money. You'll come out. You'll have a table. It's nice. It's Joshua Tree. And I just. I, I know what these conferences are like. And you you lower yourself to the position of, I mean, the last thing I think I did, I, I, I'll go to conferences with John Ventry in the area from MUFON because I happen to like John Ventry. And he was a guest on UFO Hunters. We had a great episode. But really, yeah, and but I'll go to MUFON. There's a big difference between <clears throat> MUFON, I don't care who owns them, it's full of uh, earnest, real people. Yeah, these are serious guys. And, these and are the serious who- men and women. And the people who put on the conferences, and some of them are good friends of ours. Many of them are good friends of ours. Some of the people who put on conferences are putting on circuses, and they know it. But I'm just saying that as – I mean, everybody's fussing over uh, Dolan right now. But Dolan uh, – and it makes me sad. And I think that's why I just felt – I felt at the depths of sadness last week. Uh, and I'm still sad about Jimmy Charge. You guys, not so much. But, but that was a little bubble of excitement. And I guess it was a pre-bubble. Oh, that guy again. Oh, yeah. Geez. But I'm just saying, I mean, I, I really throw myself into this. You know, but for a show called Future Theater, we keep dragging out the past. Well, you, if you don't learn from the past, you won't have a you good future. You won't have a future. 
Yeah. See that? I like moving into the future and forgetting the past. Well, I leave my past and my behind. Speaking of the I'm, future, in, like in a few minutes, in just a few minutes, in, a, in about 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, Bill Hall is going to come on and he will reignite your thrill, I think. I just believe this because he's written such a great book that the minute you open it, not only do you want it to be true, but it is true, number one. And it talks about Fordian things. F O R T E A N E, not F O R D. John Ford. John Ford, not John Ford. John yeah, the book's Ford. called The World's Most Haunted House. Yeah, uh, The World's Most it, Haunted House. It's a, it's a really great book. Um, I actually got this book a while back from him and uh, went through yes. it. Yes, yes, it was true. Did you guys read too. it, Bill Nancy? Yes, I'm yeah. reading it now. I have to say, I, I put everything off to the last minute, so I'm it fresh. Really a, it, it really is a fascinating. Also, and I've having... been working. Yeah, I've been working really hard. Guess what? On. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Guess what I've been working on. Uh, oh boy, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, the book is excellent, <laughs> excellent, and everybody's going to buy the book and so forth. The future, actually, actually. But... It's funny, and one of the things that fascinated Bill has me heard, about the Bill book, has heard my, my little jingle. My, it's called an intro, I think. Bill, it's the uh, little 30-second what, what was the last thing you were trying to say there before uh, the jingle? Yeah. No, it's an interesting <laughs> jingle. No, I mean, one of the things that uh, I was surprised about this book is that I've always believed that the most haunted house in America is the White House. And so that's one of the questions that I want to ask him. Um, that's interesting. I mean, Joel is... Joel Martin, who was my writing partner for The Haunting of the we President. We did not call up Joel to come on the show. I want Joel we wanted to, to but I'm, yeah. No, Joel is yeah. doing research right yeah. now on a book we want to do, and the book is Thomas Edison's Last Invention. Thomas Edison's Last Invention, the thing he did in the 1930s as he was approaching his own end, was a machine, a device to communicate with the dead. Mm. And so my fascination, and, and I think I have a couple of publishers interested, my fascination with that is why would a person, <clears throat> think about this, why would a person who for all of his life, from the time he was a young boy in Port Huron, Michigan, why would he at that point in the 1930s be so focused on talking to the dead? He didn't invent radio, actually Nikola Tesla officially invented radio he has the patent not Marconi but and there's a whole story to that too but but, but see but 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 will you be researching whether Tesla also did the same thing because everything Edison got he seems to have stolen from Tesla right. we will that's I mean Tesla was Edison's foil from the time Tesla arrived in this country and went to work yeah. for Edison fixing steam engines and electric generators for, uh, for Edison. And then their break came when Tesla realized that alternating current was more efficient and safer than direct current. And that began this rift, but this hatred between the two men. And, but but after- Tesla will end up in the, at the end of the day winning, it looks like. Because as I look at, I have to watch with an eagle eye my plug right now because that's how I fell off of the network last week. My plug fell out. The electricity stopped. But the Wi-Fi, as you know, doesn't have to be plugged in. And isn't the Wi-Fi what Tesla knew about a long time ago? Right. Tesla believed that you could generate electrons wirelessly. That was, that, that was the base of it. So you could generate power. 
obviously radio signals that are series of electrons. You could generate current, you could generate uh, energy all without wires. And that fascinated him. Right. And so, I And Joel that, is researching uh, Edison, but is he going to be also researching Tesla? That's where. Yes, of course. Okay, good. Because we're, yeah. we're, we're cushioning Edison against Tesla, but it is really against this whole movement that started in mm, the late 1850s and it spread across Europe like a virus and into America. And that was the great age of spiritualism. Yeah, now folks like, uh, we're going to call him Bill, Bill Hall's book, uh, The Most Haunted House in, in America, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, correct. Yep. They would also like Bill and Joel's three books. They're really good books. And you can get them at, at my store as well as Amazon. Um, what are they called? The Haunting, the Haunting of, America. of America, The Haunting of 20th Century America, and The Haunting of 21st Century America. And yeah, if you want to read about I the Haunted White House, it's The Haunting of the President. Yeah, and, and they're good, good reading books. But I have to tell you, uh, Bill just – we lost the entire weekend – in this horrible job that Bill had to do at the last minute because of technology, basically word processing uh, problems, two different word processing systems on the edit stage. And so 600 footnotes got scrambled up in a scrambled up manuscript and Bill had to kind of fix it all. And he was basically doing a couple hundred a day. I mean, you just can't go any faster than that. And so he completed them today. And and my baby sister, not my baby sister, but my middle, younger, my kid sister uh, had a retirement party. I had to miss it. What a party. She is a party girl. <sighs> Sorry. So, okay, I wanted to plant one more thing before Bill hmm. comes on, okay? And that's this. Bill Hall was a magician, uh, has been a magician for many, many years. And he has written a column uh, for a long time about magic. And has, he, he says, debunked Ori Geller and the bending spoons. So I thought we could talk about that. Oh, let's talk about that. I, I wish, uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Right. Okay. Because and I'm I wanna... saying it to you, Bill Burns, because if it becomes, um, you know, a shootout at OK Corral as. It won't what, be a shootout. I'll guys. tell you There's why. One, two, three guys. There's three no, of I'll, you. I'll tell you why it won't be a shootout. I mean, let him have his say. But the fact is, even when the great James Randi tried to duplicate what Yuri Geller did, he really couldn't do it under the same conditions Yuri did. And yeah, then his, the other his, thing. Uh, his his, his uh, thing, his I'll give you a million dollars, that's a fraud. That's a complete fraud. Right. He never gave, just, you know, he didn't give Stanton Freeman the million, million dollars. And I believe Stanton solved his problem a couple times. Right. Proved well, no, proof. but the other thing is. It's not just Yuri that did that, uh, the, um, the spoon bending. Um, Major uh, General Stubblebine, who ran the uh, uh, remote viewing program at Fort Meade, and you could talk to Paul Smith about this, General Stubblebine was so impressed that he was doing the spoon bending at various parties. And I don't think it was a trick. And I think that Paul that's Smith would tell you it was out. the real thing. That's yes. what we have to find and out. And Paul because, Smith would have the answer. Because that's the thing, folks. If it's not a trick, I mean, it's like you can, you can, we can stop. This is our 250th radio show. We can stop broadcasting now. If it's not a trick, then what is going on? You know, why are right. we exactly. caring about how big is Kim Kardashian's tush going to grow? Good. Although that's that is fascinating, I must say. Fascinating. Yes, 
Because yeah, my whole life, I, you know, I wanted it smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm just enjoying that part. <sighs> Indeed. Bill? Anyway. I'm still, I'm, Cardassian's tush leaves me speaceless, actually. Um, and you leaves wonder me mesmerized. Why. Does it? You, and, you and like you wonder, a big tush? Yeah, I mean, I um, you wonder tush. why. And you wonder why. You know, I mean, why would, you know, but for what she had to do, but. Uh, it would have been normal. But he's a but. But. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the beauty part. If we're getting closer to the Venus of Willendorf uh, as a body image, uh, we can then grow children with bigger brains. Because the minute that women allow their hips to grow, 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 you know, it, it you know, it gets into the culture. The bigger brains can come out, and um, we won't have to. We'll have a higher level race. There, there, I mean, there's truth to that. Because I mean, what, um, we're only as smart as our mother's pelvic floor. <laughs> wow! With that, <laughs> with that, holy moly! With Actually, that. before before we go to break, because uh, we ran at the break, uh, I wanted to tell everybody who's listening in uh, that today uh, is Star Wars Day, and I wanted to say Wait, it's Happy also Star Memorial Wars Day. Day to, yeah, forget that. It's Happy Star <laughs> Wars Day to everybody out there. So in many, 19, of, my, so many 19, of my relatives so, and ancestors May, just got up and they May just got 20, up and they made bullet May twenty fifth with guns at you. May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, Star Wars and New Hope was released into theaters, okay. ushering a whole new galaxy for everybody. To okay, so it had enjoy. nothing to do with it. Didn't just hook on to Memorial Day to be up. No, 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 no. It actually Thank opened God. up on May twenty fifth. Thank God. And this is this is a national holiday for more reasons than just Memorial Day. It yeah, is also but, Star Wars but, Day. I don't know. May the force many... be with you. Yeah, we all lost so many family members. That's to the true. Wars. Ancestors, all... especially at the uh, Battle of Endor. Just World War One and World War Two. I've lost Battle people. of Yavin. But see, I but... wish Star Wars had never been invented. Quite frankly, why? Blasphemy. Because I I dislike having the big cultural myth of for for your whole generation be a war myth. I wish it were. Uh, I'd like to teach the world to sing instead. As yeah, we it have was that. for it's, our it, generation. We have that also. It's called Glee, and nobody likes that, really. You know. yeah. Unless you're into that kind of thing. and I'm just so, it, so we're now coming up on our break, um, and the one thing that I wanted to ask everybody is, why do you think people are fleeing in droves? I know that I did not think they were the hottest things on Earth from the UFO alien slides, quote-unquote alien slides. Cause it's but we've fake. talked about this. Because <laughs> it's really, really fake and, you know, People are. See, I guess that makes that fact. me sad that, that that another one of those got pulled around. Uh, Philip Mantle was all set to do one of those. He was going to do that with um, our friend, uh, that crazy interloper. I forget his name. And, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, you know the guy who's a known one of the many known hoaxers that everybody just now stays away from. Uh, Michael Milioni. Uh, oh, Ron. Oh, Ron, Ron Milioni. You know, yeah. Ronnie Milioni, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he, he does whatever he does, but everybody he's ever worked with will give you back all kinds of reports on what they <laughs> encountered. And it's, it's all truth, and it's all written down, and it's all plagiarized and so forth. Well, but, you, you know my, uh, you know and, my and story with Ron. You know, you know my story with Ron. I told you about what happened with Ron and, when he was on PSN Radio, remember? No. Right. no well, okay, refresh my memory if it's not litigious. Well, it's not litigious, but remember I told you, he and Christopher Corey had a show on. on I remember, I remember they interviewed Edgar Mitchell. Correct, yes, I was the producer on that show. 
Yeah. Ah, and, and who's Christopher Corey? Uh, Christopher Corey is the son of uh, her, her name is Mary, I believe, Marie or Mary. She uh, had a show on um, on Sci Fi Network called Mary Knows Best, a psychic show. Mm-hmm. And that was his claim to fame. He was part of the cast of that show, and he had done a little TV because of it and stuff. And he, you know, he jumped onto PSN Radio in the first year that we were on online. And um, I produced their show for about maybe six months, five six months, something like that. And I was called um, what was the name of the show? Uh, the Wow Factor. Right. Another show. The wow W-O-W-Wow. Yeah, Wow. Right. Yeah. The Wow Factor. In fact, I did the voiceover for the intro also on that one. And then Christopher Corey had a second show called Peronation on the network. And uh, there, there weren't very good shows, either one of the two shows. But I had a really weird and awkward experience with both gentlemen. And okay. they are no longer on the network because of that. I don't want to get into too detailed into what happened. But uh, it was just, uh, let's just say... A parting of ways that I enjoyed. And bridges happening. were burned. Bridges were yes. burned. And I was happy that the parting of the ways happened and they're no longer on Well, the that's what's happening right now with the slides. Over the course of time, bridges will be burned. Um, and once they're burned, if you're a, a relatively honest person, you can't pretend it didn't all happen and, and just go off on your merry way and, and do more business with such a person. You, you, you know, and, and so your little circle of influence gets smaller and smaller. And we got burned badly by this poor fellow in Brokeno who wrote I, maybe some good books, but then he made up his whole background. He made up that his was... background, but the Hudson Valley sightings were yeah. real. The Indian Point UFO was real. And J. Allen Hynek did accompany Philip Imbrogno to talk to witnesses of the Hudson Valley sightings. So right. it's sad when somebody uh, reinvents his past when his present and what he's doing actually does work because it just destroys everything. Um, well, here's another reason why I think but we have do to this we stuff, have though. to get on. We, I'm waiting. Huh? We we need to call. The yeah, okay, so let us take a break. Okay, real quick, real quick, so, real quick before we go, go ahead, real quick. Uh, one of the main reasons I think people do this also, Bill, and just to, to close out on this, uh, a lot of the stuff that comes out, like the Roswell slides, like the alien autopsy video, all the stuff that is then found out to be fake, this is stuff that people do on purpose, maybe because they're being told to do this. This is called disinformation. This is just to, cloudy, to, cloudy, to cloud the waters or muddy the waters. I don't waters think the government ufology. cares enough to it might not even be the It might not be the I government as you know it, Nancy. It, no, I will tell you at some point, how it works because the guy who was a CIA um, uh, uh, basically a non-official a... cover officer who encountered us on the road he was sh- he basically crossed our path on the road doing UFO hunters he told me exactly how and why this happens I, I can tell you right now he basically yeah. laid out the entire thing but let's take our break let us right. bring Gil Hall Tonight on because fresh, I want to hear about this story. haunted house. Okay. Yes. So, we are your co-host, Bill. That's me and Nancy Burns on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. And we will be back after these very important messages. I walk a stone and I feel the power. The hills have eyes and are coming truths. I doubt the stars will ever Decision wakes the common man. 
Get a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic, truth is truth. Tired of being lied to by the government when it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies. Let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States Senator was that uh, we never had a project named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. Hello, my name is Howard Hughes, and I'm in London, and I've been proud to bear this name all my life. Over here in the UK, I'm known as a broadcast journalist. I've been involved in some of the big stories of our time. The fall of the Berlin Wall. The death of Princess Diana. I told London about that. And on the first and second anniversaries of 9-11, I was there at Ground Zero, speaking to the people who were directly involved and those experiences I will never forget. So news is my thing. But my great love is my show, the one that I produce, The Unexplained. Over the years on this show, I've spoken to people like the late Al Bielik from the Philadelphia Experiment, Edgar Mitchell, the amazing Apollo astronaut, Dr. Stephen Greer, David Icke, and Uri Geller. People like Richard C. Hoagland have become personal friends over the years. I met him in London. So you can see that these sort of topics are what I like to discuss. Please join me on my show from London, The Unexplained, Monday nights 
on the Dark Matter Network. The UFO phenomenon, either we like it or not, is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes, and, you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. And we are back with our guest, William J. Hall, who's going to talk about the most haunted house in America uh, as we debate this and talk about this. And I want to hear the evidence. Uh, so, Bill, thank you for joining us. Uh, oh, you my wrote pleasure. A, you wrote a really intriguing book, I have to tell you. It's a thank good, you. good writing. Yes. Very tough to put that book down. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. How did you, I mean, what fascinates me is um, you say that you began your research into this phenomenon when you were 10 years old. Why? Well, uh, well, I, I didn't investigate it then. I saw it on TV when, mm-hmm. when I was right. 10. You know, it's something we all grew up with in the area. It was so well known. It just affected uh, all the cities uh, around it. It was uh, taught for many, many years. Um but but I got into it uh, quite out of the blue. It was uh, one of those things. I used to write newspaper uh, columns in about six or six newspapers, local newspapers, and uh, about called Magic and the Unknown about different things. And I really never investigated Lindley Street. Um, heard about it, talked about it now and then, and then you know it escaped my mind as time moved on. Um, but it was quite uh, quite out of the blue. Somebody on Facebook just posted and said, hey, does, on one of these community pages, because mm-hmm. I grew up in Bridgeport, they said, does anybody remember the haunted house on Lindley Street? And it occurred to me, geez, I never really investigated that. And I mm, started Googling from then, and I saw these newspaper articles, and it really intrigued me. And I thought, no matter what happened there, there was definitely uh, an interesting story there because there was just so many – witnesses volume as as well as the quality of witnesses police officers uh, reporters uh, priests uh, well can uh, we go back uh, a little bit and just sure. kind of describe really kind of in a capsule way what happened to this little house in bridgeport yes it was a a, a very tiny little uh, bungalow in downtown bridgeport connecticut a little 738 square feet uh Place so it was very very tiny, right near the hospital, and uh, in November of 1974, um, word broke out that uh, that there was uh, uh, poltergeist there, um, things flying around in the house and 
uh, police showed up. Um, they didn't know what to do. They called the fire department. The fire department showed up. They didn't know what to do. They called the uh, the chaplain for the fire department, and he showed up. And neighbors called the the Ed and Lorraine Warren, and and they showed up with a priest ah, the and a Warrens. seminary yeah. student. Mm-hmm. Um, and a crowd formed outside of over you know two thousand people, and the story literally went around the world and and. In, in about a day, I mean, Australia papers, Israel, uh, you know, all these papers were carrying this story uh, because as these time went on in just a few days, uh, there was no answer coming forth and more and more witnesses well, were, what were going the first in re- out. What were the first reports? What, what, what brought the, the thousands of people to the house? What did, what did they hear about? Uh, well, I, you know, they saw the emergency vehicles outside the house. I mean, there was literally uh, 12 or 13 firemen that showed up. There was multiple police cars that showed up. And No, no, uh, what I mean is what was happening um, in, oh, the in the house. house. In the house. Yeah, there were, uh, uh, there were uh, table uh, overturning and chairs moving and pictures flying off the walls and things were happening in every room when the police officers went in there. And, um, you know, those were kind of the stories that really, uh, got out. And, uh, you know, that's when the crowd started forming. And then, uh, then people in the crowd saw stuff too. And, you know, just kind of built like this old school social media (laughs) kind of thing, uh, where, you know, more and more people showed up. Well, the freakiest thing of all, to me, at the, in the early part of the book at least, is that while the, the onlookers were watching the house, um, the actual uh, heavy swans that were the decorations in the front moved in front of everyone's eyes. There were yeah. like uh, pillar things in the front on, yeah. on either side of the porch. Yeah, they were uh, they were uh, cement planters, which were popular in the 70s, and... Um, and, uh, yeah, those swans moved. And the, the police also complained of guttural sounds coming from what they said was the swans. But I think the swans just got blamed for it because. Well, but doesn't this, uh, doesn't this, as a magician, doesn't this call out every alarm? All of this is easy to hoist and fix up, right? Um, n- not if you look at the details of what happened. Um, you know, I can make pictures fly off the walls and I can make rocking chairs rock by themselves. But what was unique about this was not only were the things happening in, a, in every room, uh, including, you know, refrigerator floating, uh, which would have been very difficult to fake if you were going Wait, to... Wait, you it, said refrigerator? Yeah, yeah. 300 pound refrigerator had floated. So, and, and, and as a magician, I mean, the only way to fake that would either be for it not to be a real refrigerator, right? For it to be a fake refrigerator that was really right. light, or for there to be hydraulics uh, involved, neither of which were the case. The police officers were very um, studious to look under and actually even go in the basement and look at the ceiling. I mean, you know, what, these, how, these, how high up did it float? Uh, only about six inches or so, but uh, and it did that on numerous occasions as well as uh, you know go across the floor. So really, I think um, you know the totality of the evidence is really what was convincing me. Um, certainly, there were you know you can argue that some incidents or individual things could be fake, but when you look at 
uh, it within the context of what happened. Uh, absolutely no question it was it was true, especially after uh, you know listening to over you know at over forty hours of interviews. And uh, these were all different people describing what they saw from their vantage point. So it was, um, you know, to convince me, I mean, yes, it took a number of hours because naturally if you hear a few people, you're like, well, okay, that's interesting. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to have the evidence worthy of this kind of phenomena. And, uh, and I was surprised that uh, it indeed was there. And, you know, by the time I got through it all, there was just no question that it was, uh, uh, that it was completely real what happened there and that it really couldn't be faked if uh, if you were to believe the, well, now totaling probably over 100 witnesses, uh, even well, more witnesses when well, the book was, was published. But, yeah, well, know. that was so, yeah, well, that was, you see, uh, one of the things that fascinated me about your book is that magicians are generally the world's biggest skeptics because they're the ones that can create illusions. And so when it comes to something like something really paranormal, Magicians are really a tough sell. Yes, definitely. I mean, I still to this day um, extremely doubt uh, telekinesis, for example, because I've never, ever have seen or found any evidence of, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm, you know, again, I've been wrong so much in the past, even with non-paranormal <laughs> occasion, you know, occurrences, right, right. you know, well, that I, tr I try to really be open to it. But, you know, just knowing how these things uh, have been faked in the past, uh, it becomes very, very difficult to believe in almost anything. But uh, but you're right. You know, my biggest surprise, though, with releasing this book and putting my name on it, and I wouldn't put my name on it if I really didn't believe in it, but uh, I was wondering what my magician friends would think, mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, what their reaction would be, you know, is Bill just an idiot and a bad magician or, you know, and instead right. I instead I found that uh, that they were quite open to it, that um, there's two sides to the magician uh, point of view. There, One is the, you know, amazing Randy, nothing is real. Um, right. And, you know, and then there's the Houdini part, which was the uh, the magician that became a magician because of the wonder mm -hmm. and, and the unknown in the world. And, you know, he wanted to find it and he wasn't searching it out to disprove it. He was searching it out because he wanted to find it. Uh, granted, well, he, you know, only the way after only I mean, he went through this transformation. Houdini did after um, his mother died. And, yes. Um, yeah. And then Arthur Conan Doyle's wife, Lady Doyle said, I mean, he was an Orthodox Jew, and his mother obviously was an Orthodox, uh, they were Hungarian Jews. And yeah, so, yeah. right, and so when Lady Doyle said to Harry Houdini, well, you know, you're, uh, don't be sad, your mother was asleep in Jesus, Houdini went off the wall saying, she's Jewish, she's Jewish, she can't be asleep in Jesus. And then that's when he began this quest to... Even hoaxing the hoaxes, he went on this quest to disprove the reality of the paranormal. I mean, that became his raison d'etre for the latter part of his life, mainly because of what Lady Doyle said. And that was this rupture between Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle because they had been friends. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a very strained relationship because, I mean, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle... Um, 
uh, he actually, one of the famous photos, uh, faked photos of fairies that he believed was real, and Houdini just couldn't get over that. And, you know, um, it, it was almost like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had his heart in the right place, but the proof that he was using was you know, a lot of fake stuff. <laughs> so, you know, it's very and that, different. And that's what very is difficult, always, you know. Yeah, that's what has always fascinated me about Arthur Conan Doyle. Here is a guy who, I mean, I am a devoted Sherlock Holmes fan. And he, right, right. And he creates a character, you know, that in modern day becomes Mr. Spock on Star Trek. He is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and, yeah very true. Yeah. Right? And, and what's so fascinating is that he creates this character who, who literally, um, his mantra, his mantra is that you invest, uh, that, uh, that you disprove, you investigate to disprove everything and what's left, even though it seems the most implausible of solutions, that's your solution because it's the only one you can't disprove. And yet, Arthur Conan Doyle believed he was part of that great age of spiritualism that took right. over Europe and America in the latter part of the 19th century. And he was very gullible, extremely gullible, not, not the type of person that you would think would be, a, you know, the writer behind uh, Sherlock Holmes. But, you know, I think we have that kind of uh, illusion. I mean, I remember seeing some actors and actresses in interviews and, you know, they might play these brilliant people on TV. Yeah. And, you know, you hear them on interviews and you're like, wow, you know, they're, they're not that brilliant. And it's like, no, they're, they're good actors. You know what I mean? Right, they're good, right. That's good the actresses, point. you know, right, exactly. They're not well, these uh, people, A thing yeah. that's worth uh, looking up on YouTube is, I believe it was Jerry Seinfeld who gave a uh, graduation speech in which he described uh, how weird our culture is to love actors. And he described what actors really are and what they really do. And he's a comedian and a very brilliant writer. And you won't ever yeah. think about actors the same after hearing this. But, um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 love, uh, I love Jerry Seinfeld. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting. Who notes. are these people? Right, right. right. I actually well, now I actually did stand up. Here's an interesting factoid that I wasn't going to bring up, but I actually did stand up where Jerry Seinfeld was on the bill. I didn't know who he was. It was at the Red Bull Inn in Waterbury, Connecticut, back in I don't know 1982 or something. Wow. I was wow. I was a kid and I was paid 150 bucks for seven minutes of stand up. I was doing stand up, no magic, just stand up, and you know went good and I got my check and I left. Yeah, and, you know, what later was your, on, do you remember any of your jokes? Any of and them? who wrote them? Who uh, uh, did you write your own material? Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I, I, I did it because I wanted to to do stand up comedy. I knew it was difficult, you know, without the magic. And what was what was your perspective? How did you present yourself to the audience as what kind of a kid? Um, well, I don't know. If I just did whatever I had that I thought was good. I came out with. Uh, Oh, you know those, uh, and again, some of this is dated because this was uh, year, years ago. But uh, years you know, ago. yeah, you know the dry cleaner plastic bags. I right. came out. I came out one of those plastic bags on me like I was, you know, suffoc nice. suffocating, and <laughs> and I and I ripped it open and went up to the mic and said, "I thought it was a toy." 
Huh. That's <laughs> kind of how I opened the doors yeah. when uh, Jehovah's yeah, Witnesses. You know how they always back. had the, the, this bag, yeah, yeah. Toy, you know. And then I had these stickers made up, and I said, you know, for fun, I go in Toys R Us and I, you know, put these stickers on. It says that's this, hilarious. That's this hilarious. toy is not a bag, you know, and you know, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then I had a bunch of stuff that's not politically correct, like, hi, my name is Bill Hall, I'm alcoholic, no, that's tomorrow night, you know, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and stuff that I look back today, I'm well, like, that's oh, because God, is I that because that, of, you know. Wait, is that because the the Alcoholics Anonymous guy is named Bill, Paul, Bill Hall as well? No, 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 no he isn't. No, it's Bill somebody, but yeah. But again, yeah. I, th- I think of it now, I'm like, I probably wouldn't do that, you know, because I'm older and understand that that's probably not funny. But, you know, it, but, you know, those things. Pretty got, funny. <laughs> the plastic yeah, bag is, th- is those classic. No, got, I mean, it was Bill W. was the guy's name. Who, Bill W. Who wrote the, who I wrote mean, the in, the eight, in the 80s, it was say yes to everything. So that was hilarious. You know, now it probably somebody would be picketing and saying, well, that's not politically correct. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, know. one of the funny things, no, one of the funny things, Bill, is that on one of the Mad Men episodes, Sally, who's Don Draper's daughter, they're they're building costumes, and so she walks into her mother's room, a uh, 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 Betsy's room, and and she's wearing a a dry cleaning bag. It's not and the way so, it is. That's not the way it went. She she came downstairs. They were downstairs. The ladies were downstairs smoking and drinking, and she turned to her because the kid was wearing the bag. Yeah, the, she was right. playing that. She was pretending she was an astronaut, and she said, "If my clothes are in a pile on the floor, you are going to get, you know." So she 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 turned to her sternly, as though she were going to say, "Don't put that thing on yourself." But right, it was right. The it was only yeah. In fact, but, the, it was only- but no, your joke your joke is funny. I wish I had seen that as a kid. I would have been laughing at that the rest of my life. <laughs> well, you <laughs> know that uh, that opening. I wanted to come up with a good opening, and yeah. I, and that was not tested, so that was a big risk. But you know, I you know I probably wow. wouldn't have today. I wouldn't have done it without testing it because most of my act was well tested and whatnot. But you know, well, for that, well, well. for that, you know for, for that, I just went for it, and yeah, luckily, but, okay, luckily, so it played do? well. Okay, so what do you do as a writer or as a creator, or a comic? And what you love isn't testing well. Do you then do what you don't love because it tests well? No, no, you do everything you love, but you constantly drop out the stuff that doesn't uh, go over well and replace it with stronger stuff. And that's uh, and that's yeah. why that's why there's very few uh, people out of the gate that are uh, you know a lot of this brilliant stuff happens uh, just over time because uh, uh, you know if you keep replacing stuff, eventually you can pull the uh, the heartstrings of your audience and get uh, get the act to its ultimate emotional pull. By emotional pull, meaning laughter, whatever you're going for. And, well, why and did that, you leave comedy? And did you leave comedy for magic? No, no, I always did magic comedy. This was just a case where I happened to do comedy by itself because mm-hmm. I thought it would be neat to do just comedy because I knew it was very difficult. You know, it was much, much of a different uh, animal without having magic, uh, you know, behind it to fall back on. You know, I, I give uh, comedians an incredible amount of respect. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just a great art. Well, um when did you start the magic? Because that's the part I want to get to because of Ori Geller. Oh, my God. Like age seven. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Uri Geller was, was big, um, I remember having a spoon and staying in my room for like 
I, it, what seemed to be hours, it probably was only a half hour. <laughs> you know, it was like four hours in kid time. But And I tried to bend it. And I remember after not being able to bend it, I said, he's a fake. I was convinced if somebody can bend a spoon with their mind, it would be me. And if I couldn't do it, well, it was fake. Well, but, do you still but, do you still feel that way exactly? Oh, your yeller's no doubt a fake. I mean, I could tell you exactly when he bends a spoon. He's not very good at it, actually, which is, you know, if he didn't have believers watching, he's very poor. As far as a magician goes, he's not good. Um, most magicians could bend spoons and keys and everything much better than he can. Um, he's not very good, but it doesn't matter because he's not, he's not trying to bend keys for people who don't believe. He's just trying to bend them for those who believe those who know the truth aren't going to be fooled by him. And so therefore he doesn't really need to be very good at it. But he, Johnny Carson actually screwed him up really bad because he didn't know Johnny Carson was a magician. Was a he magician went on, yeah. yeah, he went on Carson and, and Carson, uh, he had a bunch of stuff out for him and, uh, and uh, Geller got really mad. Geller has a temper. So, you know, whenever you put controls around him, he gets very, very mad. And uh, he was out with Carson and Carson uh, uh, said, hey, you know, whenever you feel like it, go ahead and bend something on the table. And he said, well, I feel I'm under a lot of pressure. And Carson said, well, that is what you do, isn't it? I, I don't understand. Why, why, why is this insulting to you? You know, I mean, this is what you do. He said, by the way, I have a ball under one of these cups. And when you when you feel the inkling of knowing which one it is, let me know. And he's like, well, but that's not the way I work. He says, well, I don't understand. Are you a psychic or are you not? And actually, during the commercial break, Geller was trying to tap his foot real loud to the music so he could so he could shake uh, what was uh, under the cup so you can see which one the ball was under. And Carson had his hand on the table so the table wouldn't move. And uh, it really ticked Geller off. He couldn't do anything that show. He was a guest on the show, did absolutely nothing because he couldn't make anything work because Carson was a magician. He didn't know that, you know. So, I mean, he's very, very poor as far as a magician goes. And he outrightly lied. I mean, if anybody actually checked the facts, you know, when Geller said, oh, you know, I was at this, I, I was at the uh, uh, Sanford University and I bent spoons there and stuff. If you looked up the abstracts there, you would find that the scientists themselves wrote down that whenever they tried to enforce controls, Geller balked and therefore they couldn't reach any conclusions. So, you know, the amazing thing was Geller didn't have to actually perform at these uh, tests. All he had to do was go on TV and lie and say that he did. Because if you if you did like I did, which was go to the actual abstracts, you would have you would have found that Geller actually never accomplished the things that he said on TV. He simply just went on and lied, and nobody actually would go to check him. You just take him at face value. Well, he did at Stanford University. Even magicians would say, "Well, you know, those guys are scientists, and they they don't know the difference." Well, if you go to the abstracts, you'd find out actually the scientists did know the difference. But if you go and read the reports on the things that Geller said he did in the places that he was, he was there, but he was not successful. And they wrote clear as day he was not successful, but nobody actually would go, you know, public doesn't go to the abstract. So, I mean, but no, he's very, very poor. If you watch the videos on him and you watch his hands, you can tell when he bends the keys and the spoons. It's very, very easy. Randy points it out as much as I hate Randy's closed mindedness. Uh, he, you know, he is a wonderful magician and, and uh, you know, he will tell you when Geller bends the key and it's just very, very poor 
you know, if I did what Geller did uh, in my magic shows, uh, they wouldn't pay me because he's not good. He's just not good. But, you know, you don't have to be good when you're performing for believers. That's the beauty part of the whole psychic uh, phenomenon. If you're fake and you're faking it to believers, uh, you can get away with a lot. And that that's something that, you know, even as a magician investigating the paranormal, I have to be, you know, aware of is my own uh you know fallacies as a human even if i'm investigating a place that i know has legitimate paranormal but, but, but wait wait know. wait let me let me ask you this as a magician don't you ever feel bad about fooling people no not if i i'm telling them up front that it's that it's magic i'm not pretending it's real the difference is when you uh, outwardly go out and say it's real. Right, right, right. Um, but still, but still, but still. I have always wondered about magicians. I've written about magicians. I don't personally have any relatives who are magicians, but I pretend that I do. Because <laughs> I pretend that a, a, a missing father in many of my stories is a magician. It just seems to go with the territory. It's like um, your father disappears because he's a magician. But nonetheless, I, I do wonder about do you ever feel bad that you're not one of those people who is gullible and naive and can believe? Do, do you ever wish that you could just erase what you know about the tricks and wish it were true? Um, do you mean as far as uh, being fooled by magic or do you mean like uh, believe that? Well, see, today I, I do believe uh, in the, you know, I, I don't believe in the paranormal. I know it's real. So, um, so luckily I have the best of those. Okay. So then worlds. you have a measuring stick. You, you can right. actually, yeah, yeah. But, but before, but before I do agree with you, it, it, yeah. it, it was a very difficult world. Um, it was very difficult to believe in so many things because of what you've learned that you can fake. Okay. Well, and, here's a quick, here's a quick question. Can, are true believers an easier audience then say, let's say you had a you went to a skeptics convention or a magician's convention. Would they be the toughest audience to fool? Um, I would say uh, definitely those who believe would be the easiest. Easiest, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean magicians can't be fooled, and of course they appreciate the art and love. Well, after it. your They'll show and your day. and your okay, so let's say the show's over and you're mingling among those three sets of people, the people who are the true believers at that convention and then the magician's convention is next door and you're mingling afterward. Are they totally different types of people? Are the true believers, you know, to a person sort of idiotic and the magicians to a person a degree smarter than everybody else in, in the community? Um you know, not necessarily. I think there's a mix. I think there are people who believe who are uh, very intelligent and very scientific and very uh, very much a, he a healthy skeptic. You know, as myself, I'm still a healthy skeptic. Uh, the paranormal investigators that I know and admire are very skeptical. Right, right, um, right. You know, very skeptical, and and they don't, uh, and they leave that to the last. You know, unless of course they obviously know that it's real from the beginning, but otherwise, they're looking for to eliminate all other things. So, uh, and then there are those people. You know, I think skeptics and believers have, uh, you know, 
when they're doing it wrong, they both have the same faults. Believers will believe in anything, and skeptics will say no to everything, and I think both are wrong. I think just because something is unexplained does not mean it's paranormal, and just because something could be duplicated or fake does not mean it's not paranormal. So I right. think, you know, I think and we have was, to... Uh, and that was know. a question that I wanted to bring up about spoon bending, because one of the stories was from one of the officers, army officers, who was part of the army remote viewing program at Fort Meade, low these 25 years ago, he said that one of the things that the commanding officer of, at, of that program, General Stubblebine, he was a character in the, um, in the movie Men Who Stare at Goats, but he's a real person. General Stubblebine actually was able, he learned how to bend spoons, but he learned how to bend spoons, according to this person, psychically. And he would demonstrate this at parties and get people involved in spoon bending. And so I'm just wondering whether Stubblebine was faking it or whether Stubblebine was actually doing it. Paul Smith, who was the officer, said, no, he was really doing it. Yeah, I, you know, anyone who actually uh, would say that they bend spoons with their mind, my guess until I've heard other, seen otherwise would be they're faking it. Mm -hmm. I, I know that there has been spoon bending as part of legitimate uh, paranormal phenomena, you know, spoons found bent and things like that. Uh, but when somebody says that they bent the spoon, I've never seen that be a reality. Uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist just because I haven't seen it. But I would right, say, right. I, I, I would say that uh, a lay person would not be able to, and even uh, a magician of not the proper skill level. Uh, would not be uh, someone who would be able to actually come to a conclusion. It would be like me. If I open up a car uh, you know, engine and look at it and you say, Bill, how does that engine look to you? I'd say, I don't know because I don't know about engines. So if you take a lay person who's up against a, a, a skilled magician with spoon bending, even halfway skilled, doesn't have to be the, in my skill level. I don't consider myself an expert spoon bender. But uh, you know you wouldn't be you wouldn't have the qualifications to be able to say it was real or not. You just wouldn't. You, you'd really have to be a skilled magician to really be able to discern that. Otherwise, uh, you would have no way of uh, being able to. Just like any other expert, you know, if I'm a carpenter and I'm looking at a a piece of carpentry, I wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, how difficult or how beautiful it is, you know. You know, we know as lay people, we look at it, we saw that that looks nice, but, you know, a carpenter would notice imperfections and other things in the wood that we wouldn't. So, you know, again, without that skill level, uh, it would be impossible for you to make that declaration. You wouldn't have the skill. Right. I want to get back to the haunted house because one of the questions that Wait, I before actually... We, before, we, before we leave Ori Geller, just one more thing. In his defense, I have to say one thing. Um, the people that we have contacted are people who know him, and, and Bill and he are, are friends at times. Yeah, I'm, um, I, I am friends with Yuri. So. At times. But, but here's the thing. Uh, they all think he's a very nice, sensitive, sweet man and all that. But in his defense, let's say for argument's sake, because we might want to consider that there is such a thing as psychic gifts. And let's say that there are people who do have those skills. Ingo Swan comes to mind. A lot of people swear he was the real deal. Um, if you do have those skills, it, it's not a big leap since, you know, there, we're all writers here in this room, in this, in this talk right now. You have to be in the right mood to write. 
in the zone, sort of, or whatever. And if someone says, you're going to come on and you're going to perform, you can squish up and just not be able to do it. And it could be that happening. Maybe he was tapping his foot to try to block out everything and get into a rhythm. I, I wonder, just maybe. Well, what do you well, think? Well, I mean, if you see videos of him bending forks, I mean, bending uh, keys, and you see the point at which he bends the key, that's fakery. Again, if if you if you know that's the true. Art, that's true. That's yeah, true. No, I've never if, seen that. So if you know the art, there is no question that he is fake. In fact, um, he was caught numerous times, and only in America did, did he really make it big. I mean, if you go back to where he came from, what was it Italy or something? I mean, you know, Israel. He's Israeli. Israeli. Yeah, in Israel, they freaking gave him the hammer. I mean, they caught him numerous times, and basically that's why he came to America. He had to get, he wanted to get out of Israel because he wasn't making a headway there because they kept exposing him. And well, he came, as, as, came to as, America yeah. and then made a fortune, you know. And, yeah, and, 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 and again, you know, his re, all his remote viewing, all of his key bending. I mean, if you're a magician, you don't have to wonder. It's very obvious, and he's very bad at it. And again, I'm no expert at key bending, but he is. I mean, he's horrible. He's really bad. I mean, it's you know, you could be a one year uh, one year magician, and you can tell exactly when he bends the keys. And if actually, if you Google and and go on uh, and Google Randy's uh, you know videos on it, he'll show you the exact moments he bends. And there's well, no well, question what, he's bending uh, the key. What key's. is the uh, what is the secret? Do you ha- do you sort of solve them in half first, and then like put no, some glue no. on top? No, you just no use, because you take it. No, because you just use leverage. Yeah, you use use leverage. Sometimes the keys are bent before. You know, again, it's all basic principles of magic, and that's and that's why you know lay people wouldn't 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 get it. No offense, but I mean, you know, you either something's already bent and you make it appear straight, and then you make it bent, and therefore. You know, there's there's absolutely no chance for it to switch or anything else. So you believe if you take a bent key, you can you can put your finger over the bend and it'll appear straight. And then you could rub it and it'll it'll appear bent. Uh, if you put it between metal, it'll uh, actually. I mean, Geller has actually bent a key under uh, in, in desperate times under running water, where he actually used the faucet to to as leverage the 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 actual spout to bend the key. I mean, you just keys bend very easy under leverage, uh, but you have to have leverage. Spoons are spoons are great for you know one of the reasons Geller uh, expanded out the spoons is because unlike keys, spoons are very easy right. to bend. Yeah. And well, so, are magicians um, frequent? There's many. There have been many good movies recently about mu- magicians and their secrets. Are are they actual real secrets? Have you seen the kinds of movies I'm talking about? Um, you know, modern, old timey Houdini uh, uh, reproductions and stuff like that. And uh, you know, they show how he dislocates his body. In other words, they show a lot of the tricks. Right, right. Well, you know, the the wonderful thing about magic is. Um, Technology doesn't help it much, but thinking uh, expands. So, like, there used to be this uh, mystery magician guy that exposed things. But, you know, if you look at what Copperfield does, the stuff he does um, can't be explained by that because he's got better thinkers. So, you know, magic is something over the years that thinking keeps expanding so that even when, you know, the 1920s saw an a lady in half, 
get gets exposed, the modern one is still blows you away. Right, and with technology that, advancements, also uh, William, with the advancements, I mean, it's going to get to the point that people could come up with the same trick and just do it a completely different way. Well, you know, it, it's funny because uh, many, many years ago, I'm talking 1800s. You know, lighting up a bulb was a not a not a flash bulb, but actually an orb. You know, was an actual trick until the light bulb was invented. And then, right, you know, yeah, you know, so yeah. so it is fat. You know, it is interesting. But yeah, the thinking in magic is absolutely it, it blows me away. And in fact, sometimes, usually the secrets are you know stupid, and you know the the the. Uh, the imagination part is much better. Well, does it always take a, te- a team? I was going to say sometimes the secrets are actually more fascinating than the trick because the thinking is just so right, right. Well, yeah, when you say it, the thinking, uh, sometimes the person who thinks up the trick is not the magician who performs it. Then, oh yeah, no, many times, yeah, many times. I mean, yeah. I'm not putting Copperfield down, but you know, I mean, to to put on whether it's Chris Angel or any of these guys, you mm-hmm. gotta have you have a you have to have a team of thinkers, and right. they they go around and look for tricks, just like you know musicians that go around and look for songs or anybody, you know, they go around because you can't come up with all that stuff on your own. You give it your own spin. Uh, some of the things you might invent or improve upon, or you know, create a tapestry or, or vignette around, but uh, but most of these things are, of course, embedded in the the fundamentals. Just like a joke, you know, like they'll say political jokes. There's no new political; they're just shells, and you fill well, it. Well, do in. you think the government watches and is part of the whole magician's uh, way of life? The whole thinking, the uh, you know, the when you talk about. Uh, uh, the thinkers that surround a good mag- a magician wouldn't they be useful for government disinformation? Um, Maybe you know I I don't think that they they are used that way. But many years ago there was a magician that helped uh, in the war, um, and you know I forget the particulars about it. There was a, there was a fascinating book written about it, which actually reminds me I have to get. But he actually uh, saved a town by they built a fake town. So that from the air it looked like a real town. Right, and, right. I've yeah, heard that. that. Yeah, yeah. And then they they covered up the river. I think it was either with oil or uh, or foil or something. They covered up one mm-hmm. river and then created kind of uh, what would look like a river from the sky, so that uh, the planes followed the fake river and bound nice. and bombed the fake town. I think, they, and, I think there was a, that was in a movie, or it might have been in one of those British series. Been. You know, You're right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was actually, I mean, that guy, uh, he might have died poor or whatever, but that was one of his claim to fame is he was a magician who actually helped save the, you know, save a town that way. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think they should be, but I, I don't think they really are being used. Uh, you know, I mean, the government's remote viewing uh, exercises are largely a joke, you know, um, but, you know. Uh, a valiant well, effort, uh, and, uh, and that brings me, and, th- and that brings me to a question about uh, your thoughts about Kreskin, the amazing Kreskin. Oh, he's a magician. There's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he actually uh, has marketed magic tricks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to magicians. Um, and then he went psychic, like as many magicians do, because there's more money in it. I mean, frankly, mm-hmm. to be to be a magician, you get paid X. To be a psychic, you get paid four, five, six, seven times it. And you know, I know a guy who was doing billiard balls and stuff, and he went psychic, and and he basically was getting paid ten times the amount, and he could even fail at stuff because part wow. of 
part of proving you're real is it doesn't work all the time. So it's, well, it's, well, let's talk. Let, it's, it's a beautiful world to be a psychic, you know. Right. Well, well, let's, uh, what, but we need to talk about how you, Bill, uh, uh, did meet up with the paranormal, and and we need to talk about this house. There yes. was the concept that it was a hoax. That concept was floated out there, and then everybody went away. Right. 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 And, yeah. and who floated the concept? Do you have any idea? Oh, yes. It was. Um, it actually was an opportunity that was taken advantage of. One of the officers went in there on a Tuesday morning. The whole thing started uh, publicly on uh, Sunday. And um, by Tuesday morning, where this thing had really blown over, one of the police officers called and said, hey, I saw the little girl kick a TV with her foot. And the officer knew it was real, the inspector in charge. But, you know, he gets this call and all of a sudden it occurs to him. He says, wow, this, yeah, this is an opportunity. And, you know, there wasn't really any good way for it to end, you know. Uh, so they blamed it on the girl and everybody went home. I mean, nobody said, well, how did the girl float her refrigerator? How did the girl make things move in three rooms at the same time? You know what I mean? The, right. you, don't have, you, don't, you don't have to prove a hoax. So. Uh, it's almost I also like, think as as much as people want to believe, they're really grateful after a little bit of time for the to to be told you don't have to think about this anymore. You can just go on. Yeah, I mean the problem was, uh, you know, you know the the superintendent said, you know, I want my city back, and you've got to make this thing go away. You have to close it. You have to shut it down. And there's no way that you're going to go to the public and say, hey, guess what? You know, we don't have an explanation because more and more people were showing up. I mean, there was uh, TV stations uh, coming from, uh, I think I think somebody from Tokyo ended up finally showing up. But I mean, there's Rudders and Associated Press and people coming from far away now from across the country. And, you know, the more time goes on where there's more and more witnesses and everyone's saying it's real – how do you resolve it? You can't just say, oh, guess what? Yes, it is real. You know, it's not going to fly. So you have to, it, it has to be a hoax. There's no other way to get rid of the public. It's a very dangerous, dangerous situation. True. People even people even tried to burn the house down while the family was inside. Oh, so, I mean, really? You know, yeah, I mean, so this thing was, uh, you know, you know, the mob mentality. I mean, not that everybody out there was bad people. You know, there's wonderful people, and some of them I've met, you know, lecturing and stuff. But, I mean, you know, you're going to get the kids and people causing trouble. And, again, you know, there's uh, three guys who started to fire outside the house, wanting to burn the, you know, the house down with the family in it to get rid of the, quote, unquote, you know, evil spirits. So, uh, you know, the police were like, oh, my God, you know, the money it's costing with paddy wagons and barricades and, you know, police patrol. And, you know, they're like, geez, we can't do our job. You know, it's very expensive and very embarrassing. So, you know, you got to shut it down. Um, and well, you know, did, and that, and so that's what he did when the opportunity came up. Well, did you ever hear of a group? I think it was in Connecticut, and I think it might have even been in the Bridgeport area. It was called SCORE, and it was a group that was started by Malachi Martin. Um, and they would exorcise houses. And I'm just wondering if, if, if that story ever passed by you. Uh, no, I mean, you know, they, um, Father Doyle, who was there, said he was going to look into an exorcism. But, I mean, you know, the Catholic Church wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I mean, it was so public. And it was – and, there, and you know, truthfully, there was nothing that was going to really help as far as that goes. Um, personally, I don't believe really religion is related to it at all. But um, 
Well, how, really, how did the story reignite for you? Um, I'm sorry, I don't understand. What? Well, um, this story uh, happened in the 70s. Yeah, and yeah. Then it went dead. And then uh, what I put on the uh, website w- was a photo of your files. You were, you were uh, talking to one of the researchers, right, who happened to have some audio tape. Yes. Um, what I did was when I had, saw the Facebook post and I started writing down everybody's name in the newspapers that I came across and started making phone calls, I ended up coming across uh, Boyce Beatty, who was the lead investigator in uh, looking into this from a scientific perspective after it was announced a hoax. And uh, I talked to him on the phone and said, uh, you know, I talked to Officer Joseph Tomek, who was a first responding police officer, now retired. And he told me that he was forced to be interviewed by the Bridgeport Police Department. I, so I thought that was very odd for the police department to force him to be interviewed if it was a hoax. And he said, oh, no, it wasn't a hoax. And, you know, we all knew it wasn't a hoax. And they forced me to be interviewed. And if you can find the people who interviewed me, you'd probably get a lot of information. And that was Boyce Beatty. And so I asked him and he said, yes, that was me. And I said, well, do you know where these interview tapes are and, and these files and this whole investigation? He says, yeah. He says, uh, I, I do have access. I said, do you have access to them? And he, and he says, yeah, I think so. They're in a box in my basement. So I ended up going wow. over. Yeah, I ended up going over his house and I left with um, uh, 22 cassette tapes uh, filled on both sides wow. and an eight-hour an eight reel-to-reel from the Bridgeport Police Department. And then I ended up doing another 15 hours of interviews of my own. And um, so that really... You know, that proved it to me, you know, without really, I, I had some little run in that now looking back, I would say probably was paranormal, you know, looking at it in my new eyes, so to speak. But, yeah, like but, what? You like know, what? Uh, um, that would be like, uh, I remember me and a, a magician buddy of mine at a graveyard, because they're all, always open minded. We just want to get proof. Right. But, uh, and we had the radio on this uh, static station for probably about a half hour. It's just nonstop static. And we said, you know, let's say one of the names in these graves over and over, see if we could do something. And I remember the mm-hmm. name was, was Mary. It was one of these graves that had a picture on it, you know, those creepy things. Um, and so, we, you know, we said her name over and over, and, you know, nothing was happening. And we said, let's say it one time real loud. It was, you know, Mary, show yourself. And the, the radio went from static, I swear to God, went from static, and then all of a sudden, blah, 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 you know, with words, and then went back to static. And wow. we, always, we always thought about that, you know, because it yeah. was on nonstop static. We waited a good half hour just talking. And, you, know, you know, it's so, you know, Bill, it, it, it's so funny when you mention that, because I'd heard a story from someone who basically claims he's possessed about he, when he was a teenager, he, um, he and some friends were playing with a Ouija board. Never a wise thing to do, but they were playing with a Ouija board. And so um, one by one, they, his friends took their hands off the planchette. And he left his fingertips on the planchette. And basically it began spelling out a name. I forget the name now. But it began spelling. Yeah, I know it started with a W and it began spelling out a name. And he couldn't figure out why, because he said, I'm not moving this thing. And it just spelled out this name. Did so, the second letter, was the second letter an I? No. And then, it, I think it was an A. And then 
um, they went, they lived about a block away from a graveyard. And I, I actually was in this graveyard with him. And they went to the graveyard, and sure enough, they found the gravestone of the person's of the person whose name it was. Wow. So I said to How him, cool so, wow. so I said to him, you have got to show me the gravestone. This is up in near Allentown, Pennsylvania, in Carbon County. So we go up to the graveyard, about an hour, hour and a half drive from here. We go up to the graveyard and he, we were looking for the gravestones. And we finally find this guy's gravestone. He died he died in a railroad accident in the 1800s. And we finally find this guy's gravestone. It's shaped. All the gravestones are standing upright and they look like tombstones. Standard tombstone size. Yeah. This guy's gravestone was flat on the ground and it was a planchette. Wow. I, that blew me away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, and, and Ouija boards are nothing but tools. You know, they're not evil in right. themselves, but obviously, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and as, you know, one of my buddies said, well, you know, it, who do you think is the first one that's going to be answering that stuff? It's not going to be good things. Okay, so what what is <clears throat> what's going on behind the scenes here? What what do you think is happening when a refrigerator lifts up or. uh any of the stories you've just told, I mean, um, you're going to, you're going to rule out tricks. What, what's beyond tricks? Um, the mm. best, the best theory that I've heard, um, that, that I would believe until, um, you know, I'm open to other things, but I think, uh, you know, the quantum physics, um, explanation, especially in the last two years has really come, uh, come into being something uh, is still highly speculative but much more concrete than it ever was so the way i picture it is is we have uh, these entities as was the case in lindley street there were entities involved and uh, i don't believe they're demons or you know although i guess you could say they're demons because that's what we would call them being you know for lack of a different name and uh, i believe they're entities from other dimensions and there's different species of these things and not all are bad some are neutral some are good some are you know they're different ones and um you know there's shadow people and gin and you know all those things and and i i believe that they're ufos too you you can argue are not from uh the sky but from you know other dimensions you know which would make it very easy how these things travel if they were able to master this kind of uh uh you know portal uh, travel as crazy as it sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, I think, uh, you know, I think these things are from a different dimension and I think there's two things going on. I think like with a refrigerator floating and I've asked several physicists about this without them knowing it was a paranormal discussion saying what would make a refrigerator float. Uh, and they usually said electromagnetic, actually all of them said electric, there's three that I asked said electromagnetic energy. So to me, I think there's two things happening. One is there's some intentional things that entities have caused in Lindley Street, you know, picking up, throwing Marcy across the room, you know, picking her up in a chair and having the chair do a somersault, you know, those kind of... Well, well there does seem to be a photograph on your website 
or one of your webs or one of the stories about you where the girl is literally either jumping or she's in the middle of the air. Do you oh, know that, that photo? Uh, I think you're talking about the Enfield poltergeist, which is a different case. Um, um, I think it said Marcy, though. I thought it was it, – it said Marcy. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a photo of Marcy in the air, but um, – Okay, but, I'll but, check that again. But there, but it is a similar, uh, similar phenomena, anyhow, poltergeist. But uh, so I believe that there's um, that there's intentional acts by entities, and then I also believe that there's this um, because this portal is open that there's a certain kind of energy that uh, number one, you know, makes you feel sick, you know, because. I don't think you feel sick because it's evil. I think you feel sick because there's these interdimensional things going on. So you're well, a, 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 um, a microwave can be aimed at your neighbor. If you live in a, an apartment complex, you can take your microwave apart, turn it to your neighbor, and make your neighbor sick. It's uh, there, all over right. the internet. Pardon yeah. you. Know. There you go. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of mm. thing. I, I think that's what makes the refrigerator flow. Paul Eno, good friend of mine, explained it very well when he said, uh, "It's kind of like if you have a pile of papers on a table and you run by it, and all the papers fly. Um, you didn't directly do that, but as a result of you running by, they flew. So, in other words, there are some things that happen on Lindley Street that I don't believe were caused by entities. I don't believe entities caused the refrigerator float. I believe that was a reaction due to the energy that was uh, in there based upon that kind of portal being open. Just like uh, there was a, a model boat that moved like four inches to left. Well, an entity isn't going to say, oh, I'm going to make that move four inches to left. You know, I think those are just the kinds of things that are not intentional. That well, are that almost sounds like the old time ectoplasm um, explanation people gave. There was a thing called ectoplasm that was created sort of like um, the ether. Um, you know, Oh, so I wanted to ask you, what happened to the critters in the house, the spirits, the entities, the things? Well, you know, like with the, with all these all these cases, whether it's a poltergeist or not, when you're involving a uh, an entity or infestation or parasitic entity, as I, you know, as I would call them, um, it always starts with finding out what's going on in the house, right? You know, what's going on with the family, and. Um, and then the other issue is um, there needs to be peace restored because as powerful as these entities could be, they really have no power if you don't uh, allow them to. So, you know, peace has to be restored. So in this case, Marcy was being picked on at school, beat up. She was uh, home as a, as a result of being beat up and picked on. And uh, she had an overbearing mother and stuck in this small house. So all of this led to this big, uh, you know, um, kind of negative relationship with uh, with this entity, which, you know, some of these in these cases, they seem to have this kind of uh, uh, a very negative relationship that um, that they each get something out of. You okay, know? well, let's let's hold on to that right there because well, I, I want to. Oh, we have to take a break right okay, now. Taking a break, and what I wanted to do is when we come back, could I just um. I wanted to ask you about two stories that I hope we can cover in the last half hour. One is obviously the um, the Amityville yeah. horror story, and the other one, because you just mentioned a negative relationship with an entity, is the Bell Witch. If you know that story at all. So oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's cool. take our break. Okay. 
And I want to bring up uh, uh, the woman who killed her parents with an axe because it fits oh, right Lizzie in. Oh, Lizzie Borden? Lizzie Borden. Okay. okay, we'll be right back with more mayhem and weirdness. Yes, we will. Tired of being lied to. On. When it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies, let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States senator was that uh, we never had a project named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. This is Solaris Blue Raven with Hyperspace on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please tune in on Tuesdays for an intriguing show pertaining to covert technology, UFOs, paranormal, mysticism, and spirituality. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. And we are back on Future Theater on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio with our guest, Bill Hall. So, Bill, uh, oh, what I, there are two stories that, that I, I, I wonder if I could get your comments on. One is the very fact, because you brought this up about a negative relationship with an entity, the Bell Witch, one of my favorite witch stories. Oh, yeah. What is your take on that story? And it involves the future president, Andrew Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a, a fascinating story about, um, about him going there um, to, uh, I, I believe, either disprove it or, you know, to bring arms to it and, and uh, you know, find out what's going on. Yeah, that's what yeah. happened. I mean, this was in Tennessee, yeah. obviously. He was the governor. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bell Witch, I think, is a classic case of how these uh, entities or parasites uh, could uh, really take over an area if you let them. You know, in some of the ancient um, uh, texts and stuff, I mean, they could; these things could could aspire to be, you know, god status, really, if you let them. You know, it's, well, it's, you guys it's all tell about us feeding. What? You know, feeding that uh, 
that fear and, and the things that they feed, you know, ringing the dinner bell for them. Well, could one of the bills tell about the Bell Witch? Well, uh, the Bell Witch was this entity that seemed to have, whether it's a poltergeist or whatever, seemed to have, um, it inhabited this farm. And uh, the, the family name was Bell. And the story circulated far and wide of how this family, the Bell family, was tormented by this entity. It would, it would, it would challenge people. Furniture would fly. They'd hear voices. And when the stories reached uh, Governor Andrew Jackson, he, he basically said, I'm going to put an end to this. That's what Jackson actually said. So he led this expedition to the Bell Farm. The point being, he was going to challenge this witch. Nobody stands up to Old Hickory. He was going to challenge this witch and get her out of there. And the result was an epic failure. In fact, not only did the witch drive Andrew, I mean, one of the things he said was when he saw the witch manifesting herself, when he saw the spirit, he says, I'll be doubly damned. And he basically was driven away by, by the entity. And that entity haunted the Bell family through the next few generations, even though they left the farm. Yeah, it's a very, very sad story. But, um, yeah, and, and that, was, that was deemed, I guess, uh, for lack of better terms, you know, poltergeist. But, you know, again, these, these things as far as well, what's the difference between a poltergeist and an entity and, you know, the other things, you know, I, I, the way I look at it is, you know, we're just calling things by their behavior, basically. Um, you know, for lack of a better understanding, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the bell, Witch is a classic and, uh, probably one of these stories, you know, like I say, Lindley street is probably the most witness haunting, uh, in, in at least near history. And as far as old, old history, it would be, you know, the bell, Witch. I mean, that would be, so, you know, uh, so the, what about you know, the Amityville? The okay. Okay. So let's talk about the Amityville horror, the Amityville house. In Amityville, Long Island. Right. Uh, you know, that was classified as a poltergeist, too. But, you know, I couldn't really tell you if it's real or not. I'm, a- you know. Absolute hoax. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm up, I'm not close enough to it to know. Um, One of this, I, here's how it started there really was a murder. A Butchie DeFeo really did kill his parents. Yeah. He was yeah. a really bad guy. And, the house was purchased. I forget the name of the two people. One guy's name was Weber. I think Weber was the lawyer for 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 DeFeo. And Lutz, I think, was the person who, or it could be the other way around, who purchased yeah. the house. Yeah, L- the Lutzes were the ones that went on the publicity tour and the whole deal. Yeah. Right. So the Lutzes bought the house, but the problem was they couldn't afford the house once they bought it. So they concocted this story, and they did it with Weber's cooperation, because Weber thought a Weber, when the Lutzes began to concoct the story of, of, of the spirit that was tormenting them, Weber said, "Wow, if there's a spirit that's tormenting people, maybe I could use that to kind of argue the devil made me do it to get Butch to fail out of prison." So the Lutzes concoct this story. And what then happens is, I forget the name of the uh, company. Well, 
they hired this author, or this author writes the book, The Amityville Horror. And then the book becomes a bestseller. Uh, a motion picture company comes in, and Weber is furious because here this guy concocts the story with the Lutzes, and now he's cut out of all the bennies, of, of all the financial rewards of that story. So he sues the Lutzes. But to prove the story, they call in, I mean, you mentioned them, the Warrens. They come in. So at first, there's nothing there. Then the Warrens come in, and they do their, whatever they do to, con- uh, to, contact, the, to contact the spirit. Then Malachi Martin comes in. Now, this story was covered on local Nor- uh, Long Island radio by my own partner, Joel, Joel Martin. He and I wrote the book, The Haunting of the Presidents. And so... Um, Malachi Martin comes in, and then what happens is Malachi Martin seems to open up this door into another dimension, because suddenly all these catastrophic events begin happening. Joel's first wife dies, his cat dies, somebody else. I mean, the whole bunch of deaths occur after Malachi Martin's um, exorcism, and so Basically, that was the story of the Amityville Horror. I don't know where that stands today, but that was the story back then, I guess, 30, 35 years ago. Well, that's why I'm wondering what happened with the ghosts. Did they go with the family? Did they stay with the house? Did the house get sold? It's still there. It's still sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bill, what happened to the house? And it's a very overhung looking house. Poor thing. You know, it looks like it's second floor never really made it all the way it's like it looks like a lowbrow house sort of sad well you know the the amityville uh you know real or hoax if it it was deemed to be a poltergeist which means it would follow the the family which is what um what one of the children said but you know he he's kind of messed up so it's hard to really tell right right mm-hmm. right um and you know the other people won't talk about it so you know um but uh and then i've heard on the other side that uh that the lawyer uh had to in order for him to have any claim to it he had to prove it to be false so i don't know there's all these stories out there but i, and, I don't and yet, and yet weirdly on a personal level um and it it holds true to this day if I so much as open up the book cover of the Amityville Horror or look at the Kindle version or if it's on the TV, rest on it. If I go near that story, really bad things happen to me the very next day, sometimes while it's – you know, I have thrown that book literally into the garbage um, because I just felt it was so cursed. Every once in a while, um, you meet someone maybe, – maybe this has happened to you where you just feel like – Eh, I got to really get rid of everything um, involved with this person. It's it feels icky. Hmm. I'm not talking about family and stuff, but uh, Bill and I used to go to open houses all the time, and so we had a couple of experiences like that. and And that's what I want to talk about. Um, I'm describing some very low level influence meddling or something, and you're saying perhaps um, when the refrigerator lifted, it was because there was such a buildup of this, let's say, energy. Maybe in that particular spot on the planet, you know, like a little oh yeah, electro, oh. like you know, uh, what is the name of the thing we lived? Uh, the Reading Prong, we live on the Reading Prong, P R O N G, and it's well, a big source of radon. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the you know we say haunted house, but you know often it's the the land or the area um, that's that's like that definitely. Um, you know, and in, in the case, you know, it's interesting because I've been asked, well, you know, Lindley Street, you know, went around the world. There was thousands of people outside. How come it's not better known than the Amityville Horror? And, you know, my answer is because, you know, Lindley Street, the family didn't want publicity. They didn't want fame. They didn't go on a publicity tour and leave their children behind while they well, went, also, the book you know, is while just, they just now, But, you, but yeah. you've just now written the book and it's and well, and, and that story's I mean, over. And Jay Anson is just Jay um, Anson, right? He's, he's who, a yeah. he's a real writer. You know what I mean? I'm not the not I'm not so a real not writer, so. Wait, wait. I mean, um, have you gotten movie offers yet? Um, you know, I've had some bites. I'm I'm hoping something comes. Yeah, up. I think this you is going to be an excellent excellent movie. But yeah. but I mean, but I mean, I'll never be an Amityville horror because you know Jay Anson is you know he, he's writing. Uh, you know, he's not. Uh, well, everything in my book is is real. You know, none none of it's made up. I yeah, mean, but but Amityville but, Horror is a horror flick. You know, right? But <laughs> yes. but in in the UFO world, Fire in the Sky is the filmic equivalent of a really straightforward story, but the movie itself, and the same thing with Communion, they took great liberties to make a really popular film. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. And you can go back to the source material and talk to Travis Walton, uh, right. talk to Whitley Strieber, and you can get and, and Philippe Morrow. You can get the real story. Uh, and that's what's happening with your life, too. You're between all the fraudsters, all the magicians, and then all the people who normally would be your audience who are having these weird things happen to them, poor things. Are they right. the believers? Is that why it's happening to them? I wonder. Well, I think it happens to people who aren't believers, too. It's... Um uh, you know, mainly the people who sense it or feel it or who are able to discover it may have either, they may either be sensitive to it or have had prior experience. But I mean, there's plenty of people who, of course, are, uh, you know, in these situations that don't believe in it. Like uh, Lindley Street, I mean, the Gooden family did not believe in the supernatural at all. Um, but, you know, eventually you have to come to terms that there is something as Jerry and you know in the house would say is you know bigger than me that's going on here and I don't know what it is but you know tried to make a lot of excuses as to what it was but eventually you're like well there's something going on here you know so I mean that that I don't think you have to believe in it for it to happen but on the same token you do make a good point is people who are uh, you know devoting that energy towards that you know it's the attention of course that. Uh, that certainly could. And so basically, we're talking you know, about like a Ouija board, right? A Ouija exactly. board is a way of exactly. focusing attention. So, but see, uh, it, it, yeah. it almost seems like something on the other side of the veil is performing magic tricks just to show they can, and we're falling for it because we don't know the nature of the tools they're using. We don't know the tricks. We don't understand ectoplasm or the ether or the. Or the dark matter. Or you the know. organ, William Reich, yeah. or Wilhelm Reich's organ. But that's why the story of John and Tesla. D. Then, but that's why the story of John D. is so fascinating. He was Elizabeth I's magician as well as her chief spy. But um, here's a person who, who claimed to have been in contact with ethereal entities, extraterrestrial entities, angels. But only when he asked, only when he really got down on his hands and knees and said, I think I've gone as far as a human being can go. Can you help me, somebody? And somebody came in his window, basically. And who is to say the same thing supposedly happened to George Washington? 
You know, when you're at your ro- what's at, at Valley Forge, exactly. Oh. When he saw the floating green orb and he saw the white angel. Now, the other thing is, have you ever heard about things like haunted events, uh, Bill? I mean, I keep thinking of the motion picture, this Esperanto language motion picture called The Incubus, where after it, the movie, Wait, wait, wait. Is it spoken in Esperanto? It's spoken in... And it's got in, William Shatner in it? Yeah, it's spoken in Esperanto, and William Shatner was the star. Ah, Angel doesn't right, know about this. This was right before Star Trek. And okay. William Shatner... But here's a movie where there was a catastrophic kind of a curse on the movie. Uh, the producer's wife died. Shatner's first wife died. Um, the person who played the incubus was the, Serber, uh, the Serbian actor called Milos Milosevic. And he wound up in a, in a murder-suicide with Mickey Rooney's one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth wife, Barbara, oh. Ann, Barbara Ann Thompson. God bless mm. Mickey Rooney, huh? Six wives. Oh. Well, he had eight wives, but he had eight. Yeah, six. Uh-huh. And one was Ava Gardner. And the first one was Eva Gardner, but 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 the thing is that that here's a case where it was a catastrophic set of disasters after this after the movie was filmed, and in fact we actually met. We didn't know this back then. This was in the 1990s. Eloise Hart was the female lead in that movie, and her daughter was kidnapped and murdered and nobody ever solved the case. And it really destroyed her life. She was a very sad woman when we met her. Um, so this, this was really, uh, again, a fascinating story. I mean, I dealt with it because I just finished the, uh, the biography of Mickey Rooney and this is a major, a major event in his life because he's the guy who brought this actor, Milos Milosevic, into their relationship to um, take care of uh, his wife, Barbara Ann. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know a lot about it. Of course, I know about a lot of the quote unquote, you know, fake movie, uh, uh, you know, kind of things. But uh, Bill Bill Hall, uh, we only have three plus minutes left. Uh, What are you working on right now? uh, Well, I have a new book coming out uh, this August uh, called The Haunted House Diaries, which is an active home. Uh, and it's uh, based on a, a diary that uh, the woman of the house has kept for uh, about 50 years since she was a wow, teenager. Wow, wow. Uh, how, did you, how did you come up on this? Uh, Paul Eno, good friend of mine, he's been on that case since 2005, and he brought me in the fold. And, uh, oh, Paul Eno, he's a good friend of mine too, Paul and Ben Eno, sure. Yes, yeah, Paul and Ben. So, you know, they're, they're in the book, and, uh, you know, we worked on the case together. And what's great about this uh, home in particular is um, there's no distress. In other words, you know, the, the woman was born and brought back to this house. She's lived with the paranormal all her life. Uh, they've uh, basically been quote unquote accepted. So there's more fascinating things that happen there versus malevolent, you know, so it's a place that you can go and, uh, you know, gather evidence. And we have, you know, audio, we have video uh, and pictures. So even video evidence. And um, so it's quite fascinating the things that have uh, taken place there. Um, but again, it's, it's that kind of environment where, um, where you can always investigate, always find something new and, uh, and not have to worry about, uh, helping people or being disrespectful. You know, if you go in to help somebody, you're not, 
you know, you gather up all the evidence and leave. Sorry, it's your problem. Mm -hmm. You know, when this case it's where, you know, there's no, uh, the, the malevolent thing isn't going on. So it's just a fascinating, uh, place to be and experience. And that whole area is like a paranormal flap in Connecticut. So that's what the book's yeah. about. Well, oh, that's this what takes I found. Place, oh, this I takes know. place in Connecticut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, in the Torrington Litchfield County area. Oh, uh, I, I used to go to camp in Litchfield. I love Litchfield County. Yeah. Oh, it's very beautiful. Yeah. And well, uh, well, Bill, Bill Hall, not Bill Burns, but Bill Hall, you have to come uh -huh. on when your new book comes out. Yes, oh, I, we definitely yes, want to hear that story. To. Yeah, yes, that'd be sir. cool. I would love and, to. And, you know, and I have to say, um, just for everyone listening, next week, um, speaking of Belgab, we have the head, the guy who invented it, the guy who's keeping it together. Um, he's also a radio guy himself, and it's Michael Van Dieven. He calls himself MV. So if you're... If you are on the fence, I'm sure he'll let you into the, this little Bell Gap thing. And you, Bill Hall, should go there too. Just, you know, if you like Art Bell. If you don't like Art Bell, it's like stupid, then that oh, way you hate no, the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't like Art Bell, then you're an idiot. So. Yeah, then right, right. Sure. Now I was excited <laughs> to hear that he was. Uh, he was yeah. Back, so, yeah. Well, we, have a count, yeah, we have a countdown clock. And our countdown <laughs> clock at artbell.com is set at something like whatever. I'm too lazy. Oh, that's so cool. It's in <laughs> yeah. July. We know that much. Yeah. It's in July. Yeah. We can't wait till July. Uh, yeah. Real quick, I wanted to give a, a special oh, shout-out yeah. to somebody listening in tonight. In the chat room, the one, the only, Jesse Randolph of Euphonaut yeah. Radio is in the chat room, and I want to give him a special shout-out. Good guy. Well, thank the, you for joining us, Jesse. Thanks folks. for joining yeah. us. Chat room. Great, 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 great show also, by the way. You had Euphonaut Radio. Oh, I okay. thought you were going to say our I'd show. I would recommend it. I thought you were going to give us a compliment. Oh, Okay, well, but we are out of time. We are out of time, so I well, want to. Well, Bill thank Hall you. is great, and Bill Burns is great, and Nancy, you're well, great. Thanks, so. I want to thanks. thank William J. Hall, our guest. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Good luck on the book. Good luck on your next book. May may hordes of motion picture uh, production people descend upon you and um, shower yeah. you with much gift. Thank you. Well, I Thank like that. Funny. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I hope that, that has some power behind it. That would. Be I nice. hope so too. <laughs> and for and and just don't take the first offer. And for uh, everybody else. Yeah, there, but then if you don't do that, then you might not get any others. So well, we'll no. see. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, follow your heart. Follow for everybody your heart. out there. For everybody out there. Thank you for joining us. We are your co-host, Bill. That's me and Nancy. See you soon, folks. Burns, we'll see you next week on Future Theater on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. <laughs>